0: Hey guys, it's Jamie Scrimger here, second wife, stepmom of three, and mom of one. And you're listening to my podcast, where we talk about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. If you're ready for raw and real conversations and are striving to live your very best life, then you are in the right place. Every week, I'll provide you with tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. I am so excited about today's episode. It is a little different than I normally do things, but I think you're going to love it. So I am sitting down, or I did sit down, with my good friend Joanna from Nesting Story, and we talked about all things parenting, marriage, business, finding balance in life, self-care, like all the things. So if you are not familiar with Joanna, she is a blogger turned YouTuber and guys like she's a real life YouTuber. Her videos can get up to like hundreds of thousands of views. So she is a mom of four, including twins. She's a lover of decluttering. And right now she is really focused on finding herself outside of motherhood and she's bringing her community along for the ride. So always interesting stuff from Joanna and I love sitting down with her. So this episode really, there is no specific topic. It's really just friends sitting down and chatting over coffee. Now, before we dive in, if you like this podcast episode or if you've been digging the previous podcast episodes, if you could do me a huge favor and press pause, take a screenshot and share it out on your Instagram or your Instagram stories and just give me a tag. It means the world to me when you guys, A, tell me what you think and give me that feedback. And I love hearing who is listening. The other piece is, is, that you doing so helps me spread the word about the podcast and get into more ears. The other thing, if you have not already, if you could also just take a quick second, head to iTunes, leave a rating and a review. Again, this really helps me take this podcast to the next level. And you know, the more ratings and reviews that I get, it lets iTunes know that this podcast is worth listening to. And from there we can get some more inspiring and great guests on here. Then we can have some more raw and real conversations. And you know, like I said, just take this all to the next level. Alrighty. So hopefully you've done that for me again. Thank you so much. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. And without further ado, let's dive in. All right, so I am here with my friend Joanna from Nesting Story. Joanna, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I know. I'm so excited to chat with you because you and I always have the best conversations just about like all the things we talk about shop and motherhood and I think because we're also very similar. I know we are. And I think the more we talk to each other, the more I realize just how similar we are. Yeah.
1: And that I can tell the funny story about when we met.
0: (laughs) Go for it. Go for it.
1: So when Jamie and I met and when we first got to know each other, we weren't huge fans of each other and we didn't really have a good reason why. But Mm -hmm. then since then I've been told that I can come off as standoffish sometimes and all that's because I'm an introvert. And so I think it's my introverted side. And I think that's the way you would come off to me. And then when we compare notes, we're like, Oh, we're the same person. And that's why we like got that. And now we're like, we love each other. We're just like best buddies and It's just so funny how it was both of our introverted sides that kind of clashed initially and then has brought us together. When you agree, don't you think that would be what it was?
0: Absolutely. And I feel like for me, I've had to actually be very cognizant of this the way that I can come across when people meet me because... On the phone or when I'm like talking to myself on, you know, Instagram stories or whatever, I'm always very, you know, outgoing. I seem like I'm very, you know, extroverted. But I'm extroverted when I'm by myself in my kitchen alone. But when I am, you know, in person or talking to people like at an event or something, I do kind of feel a little bit of social anxiety. And so I'm more introverted then. So I can come across as kind of snobby. Like I, and I do have a little bit of a case of uh, resting bitch face and <laughs> you have a little bit of it too.
1: Yeah. And I think, well, I've been told to my face, I come off as of a standoffish from someone in the industry and I was like, Oh, okay. That was direct, but I'll, I'll take that. But I think. Like you, I'm trying to consciously work on it. And and like you, I get in these situations and I, A, I can be extroverted or, or fake it until I make it when I need to be on camera or when I'm in my element and talking about something I know I can shine. But we are also surrounded in this industry by very extroverted people. And I think sometimes you and I are good with being like, you take the stage, take the spotlight. I'm good with that. And then I think sometimes, People can take that as us being cold when really we are just happy to let other people shine and us just take a minute. And I think you and I also, when we put out that energy, we actually need to take time to recharge.
0: Absolutely. Like we will both leave a conference or an event that we're at and be kind of exhausted just because there's been a lot of socializing. doesn't mean we don't enjoy the socializing. No, We love it. But we do need some recharge time or just like an hour in our hotel
1: rooms to take a minute where I know a lot of extroverts who gain energy from all the socializing and can just keep going for hours. And so I think that that's just something that you and I really we both relate to with each other
0: totally so first impressions guys they're not they're not the be all and yeah. end all all right so let's back up to the beginning to you know an introduction because for those of the people who are following and don't know who you are so give us the lowdown who is Joanna from nesting story other than an a little bit of an introvert and
1: <laughs> it's so funny I feel so comfortable I just dove right in so I started as a blogger so way back I used to be an interior designer and then I had two kids and was I did residential design and restaurants and everything and then I had my own interior design company and mural painting company called nesting story i blogged with that which i absolutely love the blogging side and then boom surprise pregnancy with twins had to pause it all and while i was pregnant with them i decided while trying to find inspirational twin moms to follow that i would switch it over to a parenting blog and then when my twins were born i switched it over and it did really well and then i started dabbling in video and then video is kind of turning it its own thing so now i'm grown my YouTube channel. So video is very heavy with nesting story. And then now I'm bringing on contributors to the blog and working on other projects. So it's really exciting. And basically, I would describe nesting story as a place where it's it's parenthood, it's lifestyle, it's home, it's decluttering. And something that is an overarching theme is to take it back. You know, I lost myself completely when I became a mother and I'm just kind of sharing with other people, my journey to taking back my home, taking back my kitchen and my body and my identity and creating this career and even parenting the way that works for my four kids and myself and taking back my marriage too, I should say. So it's kind of just fighting for it all and it's okay. You can take the time for yourself. It doesn't mean you're a bad mom and everything like that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, that's what I love about you. Cause I feel like we're the same in this respect too, is that we're both on this mission to live our best life. And yes. I know that sounds cliche and a little corny, but we do really, you know, we're about like, okay, how do we do this better? How do we parent better?
1: And we're self-reflective people. And so I think we're both eager, like we just spoke about, about taking that feedback about how we can come across and being like, okay, I take your feedback. I'm going to work on that. And I think we both are very self-reflective and want to keep growing and building. And, and, and it's okay to work on yourself, not just motherhood is a part of our lives but it's not all of it
0: yeah absolutely okay so you have four kids how old mm-hmm. are the kids two twins well, yeah so holden. one set of twins, two <laughs> children
1: uh so holden it will be 10 in june my son and then Bo, my daughter will be um eight in a couple weeks and then our twin girls are four and a half
0: yeah so you have a you have a full house well like yeah. we, we have four yeah, kids we here every other kids. week yeah
1: yeah, it is busy, eh? Yeah, and a dog, just like you. We had, we got our dogs pretty close together, right? So we each have a puppy. We're we're those crazy people. They're like, "What's one more?"
0: Yeah, it's not busy enough. Let's throw in an animal. That all but the But it kids... actually works. Yeah, and you know what? I when we got the dog, I was we were driving home, and I was thinking, "What the heck was I just thinking?" I was like, "I'm going to regret this." But it, yeah, the dog has been the best thing for our family. Like, we are yeah. so happy. So, my question for you though, so you kind of like, you know, went over your YouTube channel. Like, you have a big YouTube channel.
1: Oh, thank you. Like, yeah. It's funny though, I think I, I doubt, da- not that I downplay, I love my YouTube channel and video, but I, because I didn't start as a YouTuber, I started as a blogger. I think I see it all in a, a slightly different way than someone who maybe started, began in the YouTube world. But I just, I love it. I love video. It really is very creative for me. I love editing and, and I'm, an, I'm a sharer. I like to share. So it's just been a great platform for me. And it's just really grown organically through YouTube. Like the people find me on YouTube and subscribe. It's not like I'm driving people from other places. So that's just been a really natural fit for
0: me. Yeah, and it's amazing. So how do you decide what you're gonna share when it comes to your kids?
1: Okay, so that's something that's changed recently within the past year. I used to share quite a bit when they were younger um, and I used to vlog quite often. And uh, in the last year I've really shifted it and do much more lifestyle and home and vlog here and there. But I'm very careful about what I share about them now. In fact, recently my daughter loves watching our YouTube channel and some from way back when she was a kid. She's like, I don't like that you showed that. And immediately I just put those on private and I take those videos off because I've I'm, I'm just, I'm very sensitive to the fact that they're becoming these little tiny adults soon. And they're they're getting these little lives that are much more personal than just like sleep training and what to feed them and everything. So it's really shifting to me and to the home and everything. And the wonderful thing is my audience there has really shifted with me. So I do share here and there, but I definitely get permission. And if someone's not in the mood, I they're just not in it. And if they ever express something that they don't like, I take it off. So it's something that really started to bother me about a year ago. And I've just worked hard to to steer the ship a different direction.
0: Totally. And you know, that's something that I experienced too, because people will often say to me, well, there's many people who have said, well, you share so much about Reese. Like, do you prefer your, you know, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. ours baby over the other kids? Or why don't you share about the teenagers? And you know, you're playing Mm -hmm. favoritism and stuff. Um. Hello. Just so you know, it's not really that cool to be on your stepmom's stepmom blog. Yeah. Right. So and I'm very cognizant of that. And so anytime that the kids are on, I have I get their permission and I don't share, you know, I also get some slack about things that I don't share. It's like I'm not going to share another person's story. Right. Like I'm oh. creating this space online and sharing my story while still respecting that there may be people in my life who aren't entirely mm-hmm. comfortable with all of this stuff about their life being on the internet. So it really is about finding balance. Mm -hmm. I have that. I have a few, um, I used to do a lot of day in the
1: lives when my twins were really little and there's, and they're very popular There's over a million views on many of them. And there's lots of comments like you showed this twin more than that twin. You love that twin more. And it's just, I just ignore it because it's like then the next video it's opposite. And I, I try to, I say, you know, my opinion about this is how I feel about the showing how my kids or, but I don't, over-explain. I just kind of see those comments and skip past them because I think there will always be people, especially with YouTube. I think because YouTube, there's such a, a relationship and a, a sharing there that everyone feels entitled to an opinion and there will just be so many contradictory opinions and everything. So that that would be one of the things, the comments on YouTube that I think I used to struggle with, but I've been able to create a bit more distance between that in a way and be able to to compartmentalize that better
0: and just ignore. (laughs) I know. And you know, it's interesting that we've brought this up because even yesterday I got some major slack on a blog post that I had, I didn't even know actually a brand had boosted it and it was from a little while ago. And in that post, I refer to, you know, Reese, our daughter as Mm -hmm. a quote unquote, ours baby, which Mm -hmm. in this space, in the step parenting space is what it's called. Like that's the label that's put on it. Cause sometimes you need to use labels so that people know what the heck you're talking about. And people were legitimately ripping me apart saying, I can't believe how do do your stepkids feel when you're saying that she's ours and that's not, you know, and you know, know, it just
1: depends on the people you're, you're it's because obviously that, that, promotion from the brand pushed it out of your circle. I've got that before when I've talked about twin pregnancy, my twin pregnancy and how I was very in a dark place during that time, because it was such a strain on my body and how I really struggled with my mental health. Well, anytime, and I used to write for baby center. So then that would expose it to a whole new audience. And I'd get attacked by anyone who was struggling with infertility because I expressed that I experienced some depression during my twin or any of my pregnancies. And apparently that's not okay. And it's just, I just think once you start to share something that's specific to one audience, but then it moves outside that circle, you can, you're definitely, that's part of the job, right?
0: No, I know. We, and it's really to- hard it's, it's hard, a hard thing to do because you're constantly being criticized. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's funny, you know, we open up our lives to people because we want to inspire them. We want to share a story and we want people to feel like they aren't alone. But in doing that, you really do open yourself up to criticism. And it's, it's kind of a hard thing to, to navigate, especially, and it, it impacts what you do share, which is unfortunate for the people who really actually need it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I have a team of people who work for me now Yeah, and I, they help buffer some of that for me. I'm still in there. I'm still, but I've, I've started to really pick and choose how much I get it pulled into those discussions. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But I've, I've created a healthier relationship with all that because we are human and it hurts, and it stings, and you can carry it with you. And you know what, you could get 99.9% positive comments. And it's that one negative one that can just sting and carry with you all day and have a cloud over your head, which sucks, because there's so many positive comments and feedback.
0: Yeah. And you know what, that's, that's real life too, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. feels like they are entitled to an opinion on how you parent or how you, you know, do your marriage or your work life balance or what you do for a job. So I think, you know, on all levels, people do deal with that. That's mm-hmm. just a common exactly. issue. And I think maybe just when you're ex- you know, exposing your life online and sharing your story, it's just a little more extreme, which leads me to a question that I've been dying to ask you for a while, because I think we, again, have a very similar point of view on this. So you have four children and they all from, you know, what you've said have very different personalities.
1: Mm-hmm. Very.
0: So how do you parent kids with different personalities? Do you mm-hmm. have different rules for different kids and different you know, ways of approaching situations? Or, or how does that work in your house?
1: Um, there's a few ways I go about it. So the first thing is we tend to start with all the same rules. But that as soon as we see someone who is not fitting into the mold, which they wouldn't, we then tailor it for them. So the most recent example would be our twins. We're really trying to push family meals at dinner time, no devices or anything, everyone sit at the table. Well, one of our two twins, although ahead of the other twin in certain areas, I would say is less mature in others and can melt down easier and just doesn't have the attention span or the patience to sit at the dinner table and gets much more tired. So we have different rules for her at the dinner table than her twin. So she's allowed to go have a quick bite and then go up to her room and watch her iPad. And so the rest of the family, because for the longest time, I was pushing sit at the table, sit at the table, and it was meltdowns. And then it was ruin it for everybody. And and we know she'll get there. And she slowly is, actually. So that's one way. Is I'm sensitive to if someone to the fact that they're not all the same. And uh, we learned very early on that our son is very sensitive. And he doesn't need a lot of discipline. Like a conversation with him is enough because he is so he means well, and he's just so sensitive and sweet. And our daughter, the next one, she is a firecracker and no one's going to mess with her. But I've also learned that I have to come down harder on her and have bigger consequences because she doesn't care as much. Not that she doesn't care, but she's she's wired differently and she is not as sensitive as our son. So we just we deal with things in a different way with her. And then with four kids, we call it the wobbly plate. You're going, you're going, and there's always going to be something. And then my husband and I who we have date night every week, we'll say, oh, we have a wobbly plate. This person's struggling. We got to put more focus into them, whether that's more one on one time. Or figuring out some strategy to help them get through a rough patch, but we call it our wobbly plate or plates. You know, you're trying to keep them all spinning, but one starts to wobble and they need a little more focus.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so how do your kids react when you know one of them is able to go on their iPad and go upstairs and have different rules? Like, do you get any backlash on that?
1: No, we really don't because we talk about it. And it's funny because with the dinner time thing, for example, the other three kids really wanted dinner time and the conversations, and they were being brought down by the meltdowns and it was agitating everybody. So then, once we changed the strategy and explained it to them, they were really happy with that decision because that meant they got more calm and focused attention from us. So, we, we discuss things a lot with our kids, and we'll sometimes, if one of them's frustrated with another one because they're having a different Set of rules, or, or or something's just a bit different for them. I will pull the other one aside and explain to them. So another example would be with our twins recently. One of them struggling with potty training; they're kind of regressing a bit, and so I'm having to do a bit of a reward system. Well, I pulled her twin aside and said, "Are you the same person? No, no, you're not. You know, she's struggling. We're working on this with her, and can you help support? And we've done this, you know." And they really, really, really listen. And if if she pushed back, I'd probably find some other reward system for that twin as well, something different that maybe she's struggling with just to even it out a bit. So I kind of, I kind of feel it out and see how everyone's feeling. You never get it perfect. No. It's constantly a balancing act. And you know, you're trying to adjust things all the time, but I do say to people who have, who have say one kid, four's easier than one. You're way busier, but it's easier because you don't overthink things when I, we just had our son, man, I feel like we probably did damage. Cause it's just like, I, we overthought everything. Should I read another book? Should I sing another song? I have all this time. Why am I not spending my time making baby food from scratch? But I couldn't stand it. Should I be going to more mommy groups? Now there's all these people in line that I kind of have to say to to them or myself. Oh, that's gonna that has to be good enough because there's other people waiting and they need to be fed to or dressed to. Yeah, you just gotta keep going and making decisions.
0: yeah, yeah it's busy, and you know i I love that you're saying that you do things differently with the different kids because we do that too, and we've had you know people question that, but I think that's so important a to have the conversations with the kids and let them know this is why things are the way they are, and you know even for us, you know Reese has different rules than you know my stepchildren had growing up because she has you know one different parent in the house, and you know this is how her dad and I have decided that we're going to do things versus how they are you know we're able to do things like even For example, they're allowed to have pop, and Reese is not, and Mm -hmm. that's a conversation that we have to have often with Reese. But that's just the way it is. That would be hard.
1: That would be hard. But I I hear you, and I think I would agree with that one. Yeah, I should say I'm one of four kids, so I watched my mom parent us that way, and she, my parents did a great job, and they really parented us and tailored it to our personalities, so much so that you know once my sister and I threw a party and. I got grounded for a month but could pick one day a week to go out where my sister was grounded from the car the whole time. Like that was when we were teenagers. Now one thing that I'll be doing different than my parents is that they would always like label us. Like she's the street smart one, she's the book smart one, you know, and and they would say that all the time. So that kind of got ingrained in our our minds. It's like and, a self-fulfilling and, you know, prophecy. Yeah, so that I'm trying to be careful not to do, but I do think that Having different parenting us in different ways really worked for the four of us because so all of us have turned out fairly well.
0: <laughs> I think you've turned out great, Joanna. Oh, thanks. Yeah. thanks. <laughs> Just to go even on that, sometimes with the older kids, we find that too with the, you know, the teenagers and curfews or, you know, bedtimes and screen time and all of that kind of stuff. My stepdaughter, we have, I don't think we've ever told her to go to bed since she was 10. Mm-hmm. She, cause she gets up every morning on her own and- There's no need to even have a conversation about bedtime because she will go to sleep when she is Mm -hmm. tired and she can self-regulate. Whereas both my stepson's, Well, one of my stepson will go to bed on his own, but he does need to be reminded at times. But my one stepson, he could stay up to all hours of the night and then sleep through his alarm. Like literally the whole house can hear the alarm and he's sleeping through it because he struggles with that. So we have, you know, a stricter bedtime with him versus, you know, her, she has zero bedtime when, when they say, why doesn't she have a bedtime? It's like, well, she doesn't need a bedtime. I think it's a really awesome way to parent and maybe something that not enough people Feel like they have the permission to do because it it does make things just a little bit more complicated, and sometimes people feel like it's not fair.
1: And I think another thing to keep in mind too, and it's kind of like my parents just said it loud, but I try not to. You know, having kids that are more academic versus kind of, for lack of a better word, a bit more spacey or unaware of their surroundings is a real thing. So we have kids who would still probably not look to cross the street where younger ones than them are so aware. And so like aware of their surroundings and everything. And again, it's the same thing. There's now we're getting to a point with our older kids where maybe the oldest one is being held back from certain privileges until the one behind them can go with them. Because I don't trust some decision-making when it comes to being out in the world. And they're just, they'll get there, but they just mature differently. And that's just, that's just how we all are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. So in terms of let's switch gears for a second, let's talk about motherhood, because you talk a lot about how you lost yourself in motherhood. And I see you online. And, you know, when we talk in real life, like you're trying to, you know, get back to your real self. What do you say? I'm trying to kind of reclaim my life. So there are moms and there are stepmoms who feel like they are just like drowning in the trenches of motherhood and just don't have They feel like they don't have the time to do something for themselves or they feel guilty about doing it or they just feel like they can't, even when they try, get their head above water. What advice would you provide them in terms of kind of getting back?
1: Yeah. So first I would say there are people, there are these magical unicorn people. My mom was one. My best friend is one who thrive off of the stay at home mom role. And it it really is this almost completely fulfilling thing you know, and that's what I always thought I wanted. As a kid, I always wanted to be a stay home mom and I was working. I quit my job when I was pregnant with our son and we had some investment properties. So that was supplementing my income and I was going to be a stay home mom. And then I was home. Then we had my daughter. So I had two young kids and my son had a language delay and sensory issues. And motherhood was not exactly what I pictured. I had completely stripped away my identity. I had left my job. I had Given everything I could to being a parent, I couldn't stand the mommy groups. I was p- literally pacing the halls every time my husband would come home from work, just losing my mind, just lo- like just and f- feeling full of guilt that motherhood wasn't filling that space, that bucket. And I was feeling guilty that this path that I wanted to be on my entire life was not the right path for me. And finally one day I just admitted it and I told my husband who was great and I was like I got to figure out something else. So I did tons of different things. I fostered puppies for a while. I fostered dog guy, puppy. I had a whole bunch of different Etsy shops. I tried out so many different things that I and and I think that that's my first piece of advice would be keep trying different things, you know, whether it's working out or getting a small part-time job or just a hobby or something to see what would kind of help you bring back your identity. Because the other thing I would say is when you become a mom, you can look at it like, oh, my identity stripped away. Or you can look at it like you've kind of like hit the reset switch. And for me, especially with my twins coming, that for me was like life before twins, life after twins. Like I kind of, I've lived fearlessly. My twin pregnancy was so hard on me that I now live fearlessly. And I've been able to almost reinvent myself after having kids, which is so exciting and I think that if we can all look at it that way as this great opportunity that it's the next chapter and you can reinvent yourself, I think that it just puts us in a better place mentally. And to know that you're in the driver's seat, that what works for your best friend or your what works for your mom may not be your path, that's totally fine. And it's also fine to take time to figure out what it is. And maybe it's a little bit of daycare for your child, you know, a couple hours a week here and there. That's how I started. When I actually, when I was pregnant with my, our daughter... It was near the end of my pregnancy. And I barely even, like, my, I thought about my pregnancy every second when I was pregnant with our son, where with our daughter, I was so consumed with helping him catch up with his language delay and everything that I barely even acknowledged my pregnancy, I had almost a nervous breakdown near the end and had my husband just drop me off in the hospital. I was just losing my shit and I had him drop me off. And I sat there in the, in the, I think the labor and delivery, but five nurses came up and we, and they all were amazing. And they were like, it's okay. You first of all need to get some help. Get some childcare. You need a break. And so I did, I started with a little bit of just dropping off a home daycare, two hours, twice a week, just to figure things out for myself. And then I went from there and then As time went on, I realized I went back to work for a while, three days a week, wasn't a perfect fit. And then I started nesting story, which I said before was something completely different than it is now. And that, so slowly I I figured it out. I went out with friends more. I actually purposely cut off some friendships that were toxic for me. And I just kept moving forward and testing things out and figuring out what felt good, what didn't, and made sure that. I was growing as a person, and my goal was just happiness and contentment, and and the fact that I am where I am now. I'm such a better mom. I'm, so, I, like, I, I enjoy it. Like, I, I love the routine with my kids, and everything. of course, you know, putting on the snow pants and everything every day right now is driving me crazy. It's a pain in the ass. It's such a pain in the ass, but I can truly say that I'm like a happier mom. But I still, to this day, need to go away to conferences and things to press that reset button. So I think it's just a matter of fighting for it, dropping the guilt. And being okay with finding your new path and just figuring it out and keep trying new things.
0: This podcast is brought to you by my ebook, 101 Ways to Be a Kick Ass Stepmom. From how to navigate your relationship with your husband's ex wife, to how to stop feeling insecure about being the second wife, to what to say when your stepkids say, I don't have to listen to you, you're not my mom to how to introduce an ours baby into your blended family crew, to how to minimize conflict even when the ex seems to thrive off it, to how to get on the same page with your husband about all the things, and so much more, this ebook shares my top 101 tips, strategies, and mindset shifts for stepmoms who are ready to live a kick-ass life. To check it out, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash ebook. I think it's like anything is like, really, it's like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? Yeah. Like when you're trying to find yourself and trying to kind of, if you feel like you've lost your identity in stepmotherhood or motherhood try new things, like get out of the house, like don't feel bad about needing to take that break, because that break is what makes you a better mom at the end of the day, right? And I know for me, you know, Darren and I will go away for a weekend and I come back, I'm such a better mom than I was when I left. And I was so stressed out about all the things, you know, that are going on. But the other, you know, thing that I really like to do is and I know you do something similar is, I will ask myself, am I being the type of person that I want to be right now? Mm -hmm. Like, am I happy with who I am right now? And I even go as far as saying, if I were like 95 years old, looking back on my life, how will I feel about the type of person I am right now? And that really, you know, inspires you to start doing the things that you want to do like right now.
1: I think it also inspires you to say no to things. So I turned down some, some pretty big opportunities because it just didn't sit with me. It didn't sit right with me. And I didn't feel like, you know, I would be true to who I was if I went down that road. And I should say also, because like you, I experienced secondary infertility before my twins and had two miscarriages. And um, that time in my life too, I once again felt like I was disappearing again, like because you're in such limbo. And I think that we all need to recognize that even that infertility, there's these times in your life where you can feel like that, like you're disappearing and it's okay to fight, to come back from that and fight for you. And absolutely. And it's okay to have bad sometimes. days
0: where you bad days. Yeah. And then, but yeah. the problem is I always say, just don't pack up and stay there. You can be upset. Yes. You can feel overwhelmed. You can feel like a bad mom. You can feel like all of these feelings that are so normal to have, but the next morning, like you get up before the kids, you dust yourself off, you make a list and you decide like, how am I going to be better today?
1: Yeah. I had this epiphany just over a year ago, huge epiphany. We were going through this really hard time with one of our kids. They were majorly struggling. They're all good now, but it was like on my mind and I was just so consumed with it constantly to the point where I had to make all these phone calls to just see specialists and everything like that. And every time, every day I was giving myself migraines, every time I started to think about it or make a call about it. And it was just consuming me. And then I went skiing one day and I had picked up skiing again. I used to and I made a point to kind of like start doing things again for me that I used to love. And when I was skiing, I realized that two hours gone by and I hadn't worried and my whole world hadn't fallen apart. And I just, it, it's one of those things where it's like, You can shelf your worry. It's okay if something is going on in your world, your marriage or trying to get pregnant or your kid is struggling. If you take a break from worrying and shelf it, it's not going to change the outcome and your world is not going to crumble. That was something huge for me too.
0: Totally. We spend a lot of time and effort worrying about things, A, that we can't control, Mm -hmm. right? It takes up a lot of our energy. And I always say, you know, your energy is a valuable resource that you're never going to get back. Like if you waste your time on something, that's time you could spend doing so many other things. So if you look at it like that, it can really, it can really make a difference on how you address a situation, how you respond to a situation, how much energy you give a situation.
1: Yeah. Or if you feel a moment of joy during grief, you're letting that person down. So it's just, you need to, it's okay. It's okay to, to let go. Absolutely. live.
0: (laughs) So you just touched on, you said briefly that you had to let go of some friendships. And that was something that I wanted to talk to you about. Like, let's talk about friendships and motherhood because for me, there's been friendships that I've let go friendships that, you know, they were hard. And I was like, this is just too much work. My life is too busy. I can't, this is just taking, this is draining me. What are your non-negotiables in a friendship? Okay.
1: Well, one that I can tell the actual story of was way back when my son was a toddler. I think I was pregnant at the time and he had his language delay and sensory issues and he just couldn't be around people now he's the most people person ever but he could not be around people it just set him off and he'd cry and I tried to go this play date and this other mom that I was part of our mom group was there and she just kept shooting him dirty looks and me dirty looks and it was just it, I went home and I felt awful. And I just said, that's it. I will not spend any more time with that person who made me feel off. And I just literally, and I didn't say anything. I just basically just didn't go to those groups when I knew she was there and didn't reach out anymore. Like it just cut off. I couldn't have that person in my life, but now I've become very protective of my time. And so there are people like, you know, there's the energy givers and energy takers and, the more I become aware of myself and who I am and be okay that I'm an introvert. And yes, I'm trying to work on how I come across, but at the same time, I'm not going to people please. And so I am very careful with how I spend my time. And I just listened to this Oprah podcast recently that was so good. And it's all about the intention behind what you're doing. So am I saying yes to going out for lunch with someone who I know is going to suck my energy and Maybe I like seeing them in a crowd, but when I spend time with that person one on one, they they I leave feeling not so great. What is my intention behind saying yes to that? am i am I saying yes because I feel badly and I'm that person that's always available? Or am I saying yes because I actually want to go there and put time into our friendship? So I'm really as you know i'm thirty six now, so I'm getting older and I'm just realizing that I, I can say no nicely or um, be select more selective and, and I'm stopping the disease to please. And really just, I, I know who those people are in my life who I feel good when I walk away or I can really relate. I love people who I can get right down to like under the surface. It's the surface conversations sometimes that drive me crazy or the people that it's just, I know who fits with my personality and who doesn't. It doesn't mean those people are not good people or that I don't like them. It's just, I I really know myself well now and I know who fits well, like puzzle pieces with me and who I like to surround myself with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and the way I see it, you know, our time right now, we don't have a lot of time. And my husband will <laughs> say, don't you want to meet new people? I'm like, no, I don't actually. I feel like we know enough people and I don't have enough time to spend with the people who I want to spend time with, let alone the people who I feel obligated to say yes and go out to a dinner with. And they leave me feeling kind of of gross. Like that's the worst feeling. Like I feel like when you take the time to go out for dinner with girlfriends, you should afterwards get in the car and want to have like a dance party on the way home. And I've said that before, but you should just feel so full and pumped up on life that you're ready to just like, you know, windows down party, like life is good. You're ready to like your your cup is full. Yeah, And that's my non-negotiable. Like you need to, I need to feel good after spending time with you.
1: I'm a very visual person. And so when I went through that shit show with one of my kids last year, I really realized how much more of time my, my family needed from me. So I stopped going to as many events and things like that. And that was actually good for me because that made me okay with really saying no much more often to social things when I when I would have said yes because I knew my family was first. So then I'm I'm very visual. I have these like circles. I picture these circles, and so I have my my inner circle of my like top few people, and then the next tier of people that I just really love and want to spend time with. And then it kind of gets a bit bigger, and then those people are put in the outside circles. So when I picture that, and I know then where I can allot my time, we each have four kids. Like our time is limited. We're running our own businesses. So you have to prioritize. And I make it a very visual thing for me with those people.
0: Yeah. So how do you keep the spark in your marriage alive with Ooh. all of? Yeah, I just, that was a shit.
1: Big transition shit. there,
0: right?
1: We go out for date night every single week. I and know. you guys are
0: so good at that.
1: I We had to. So, my husband, Mike, and I started dating when we were in high school. He went to the high school down the street for me. We met at a party. I thought he was an asshole the first time I met him because he was <laughs> like a know it all. And, and then, but then the next day, I'm like, oh, maybe he's not. And I think, because I told him off in front of everybody, and I think there was something like caveman in him that's like, I need this woman in my life. And <laughs> then we fell in love, started like became best friends. And then would ski and snowboard and all this, every couple, we were together constantly. And then we kind of just fell in love. And then we're consistently together ever since he went off to university. I went to our college, but we've been together ever since. And it's it was this easy relationship. We had been through some tough stuff. I had had um, a thyroidectomy, major surgery, and he was there. And we'd been through some other family things and stuff, always there. So really strong foundation. We got married and then we had... Our puppy that we had just before our son was born had died from brain tumor and seizures. Then I had a my son. I had a two vessel cord with our my pregnancy with my son. Then he had all these language and sensory issues. Then our second was our bad math baby, so she was a bit of of a surprise. And then we had the secondary infertility with miscarriages, and then boom, twins all of that that came with it, the financial burden. And then I went viral with my blog, which was insane and and things just, and we didn't, we barely went on date nights. We got babysitters maybe when we had to go to a wedding or something like that. And then when all the dust settled, when our twins were turning one-year-old, our marriage was in a really bad place. We fought almost all the time. Our fights were getting meaner and our son was sitting on the stairs with me and we were watching the twins crawl around. My husband was at work. He turns to me and goes, mommy, do I have to get married one day? And I said, no, like whatever makes you happy. And he goes, okay, good. Because I don't want to fight with someone all the time, like you and daddy. And that just killed me. And so that was our big wake up call. And we debated, do we go to counseling? Do we go on date night? So we kind of decided let's put our money into a babysitter. So every week, and we, this was now almost four years ago, actually every Thursday, unless, you know, someone's sick, but she just shows up at six o'clock, we leave. We half the time don't have plans and we just go. And for the first six months or so, we fought a lot on date night. There was a lot of shit we had to like work through and everything, but then it got easier. And now it's fun and we often go to movies. It's our time. Like tonight, we already have a plan that we, what we're going to do. And then we also have a specific topic we need to discuss about my business. And it's a fun thing. Like we look forward to it, but it's our, it's our family conference. And it's our time to remind each other, Oh yeah, this is why I love you. You're, we have fun together. We enjoy this together. And that
0: it's like, yeah, and you don't just bug me all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he could bug me all week, but then that will remind us and get us back to where we, and when we miss a date night, we can feel it. But it's, it. and so we've, the foundation we had was, we were relying way too much on that foundation and we weren't working on it building extensions on the house and putting in repairs like we just relying on that foundation and now we work a lot on our marriage and we communicate a lot we had a fight this morning <laughs> we hadn't fought for a while and we had a fight this morning about just just the way he said something to me while I was making lunches. I'm not a multitasker and he is. And I get really mad when he lays something on me when I'm trying to do something else. And we kind of lit into each other a bit, but then we got on the phone as he was driving to work and we both came to the table with, okay, I should have done this. And yes, I should have done this and we're good. And let's, let's leave it. It's behind us now. So we communicate really well now, but it's work. And I think a lot of people, when you say marriage is work, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it is. And I think a lot of people think, you know, date night, one day a week is extreme, but for us, it's necessary with four kids. We barely get a chance to say two words, especially when our kids are getting older too, because those kids are staying up later and um, want more of us later in the evening. Remember so the ooh.
0: six o'clock bedtime? Wasn't that the <sighs> best? When we, it still like- put,
1: we still put <sighs> We still put our twins into their room at seven. Oh, God. They they are in their room at seven and they, if they don't, they don't fall asleep till 830, but they're happy doing that. And then that just gives us a bit of a break. But I, I say to people who want to have date night, maybe can't afford it. Think about doing a swap with another family who wants date night, take each other's kids every other week, maybe date night once a week is if necessary. Maybe it's once a month, but have those date nights that aren't because you're going to someone's wedding or aren't because, you know, like make it, something that is planned and it's consistently happening. You have it that day consistently all the time, even when you're tired. Yeah. You have to push through. And
0: I was just saying that today um, with Darren, it was saying, you know, there are nights when we have to have a date night after, you know, eight o'clock when we're picking the kids up from work and I want to get into my pajamas and I want to go to bed, but I push through and I'm always so happy. Always so happy that I do. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's so good hmm. So the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about was I want to talk shop a little bit because we're right. both in yeah. we have both, you know, our jobs, quote unquote, are not your typical jobs. Right. And there's a lot of people who don't really understand that we can make money doing what we're doing and that we've kind of made, you know, a business out of our passion of writing or, you know, creating and all of those things. So, you know, what do you think that people don't understand about what we do? I think they don't understand a lot.
1: Um, (laughs) And I think that that's why when people ask what I do, I still tell, depending on their age, I still tell almost everybody that I'm a blogger instead of a YouTuber, because I think that it's just, in fact, I made a rule for myself. And this is the introvert side of me. I don't even tell when I travel and someone on the plane beside me asked what I do. I made the mistake once of telling what I did. And then they talked my ear off the entire flight. It was Uh like telling me how their brother-in-law should be a blogger. And then
0: So now I just
1: I lie, I lie now, (laughs) which is it's bad. I I I, it's just it's so hard to explain. But anyways, let's explain it. What do we do? What do we do, Jamie? (laughs) Well,
0: we create content. We partner with brands. We have like online services, like all of those things. I think we are a fly
1: on the wall for people who need it. I think that we are seeing a situation that maybe you and I felt lonely in, totally isolated in at some point, and have found some solutions for, but are also working out. We're cut from the right cloth that we are willing, we're okay to share it. And we're sharing that. And we're sharing that fly on the wall experience to people who could be going through that. And it's needed. I think that we're throwing out that life raft.
0: Because we needed it. That's the thing we too. We needed and I, it.
1: Yeah. And yeah. it's therapy for us. I'm sure it is for you. Like for me, it totally is. Yeah. Like, and because you started therapeutic,
0: You started nesting story, sharing your experiences because you felt alone. So that inspired you to open up about it. That's exact same about me sharing, you know, my step parenting struggles. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but there have been times in my life where I have been like, you know what? I don't, I don't know if I want to share this anymore. Like you get to the point where you're like, maybe I shouldn't have started this. Maybe I shouldn't have opened up this conversation, but you get so far in and you realize how many people are benefiting from you know, your story and the messages that you get. Cause it's not, it's not that we just like love to hear ourselves talk or we're so vain that we're like Mm -hmm. love to like edit Mm -hmm. videos of ourselves and all of those things. There really is this overall intention behind what we're doing.
1: And I think it depends on like what it is that you do. But for me, it started mostly as a a twin parenting blog. And I was talking to twin moms who and I was my basically my message because I was getting emails when I was pregnant with twins being like from other twin moms, which is crazy being like your life is over for the next couple of years. And people are like, oh, you're going to lose your body and this and that. I thought, no, I am going to find my identity again, be a good mom, get my body back or like my new body back and love that still have my home that I love. My, my identity is not gone. So That was my initial message. But then my twins got older, and I did tons of twin content. I felt like I had told that story. And it's still there for any twin moms who need it. It's all on my blog and on my YouTube channel. But then I started to share more of our family. So then it was like a more about our family and everyone got to know my kids. And that was the whole vlogging journey. But then I felt like we outgrew that and we wanted more privacy. And then it was kind of gone full circle back to interior design and decluttering as well, lifestyle, but it still touches on everything. It still touches on the twin stuff. It still touches on the family. You see glimpses of everybody but then it's also about lifestyle and home and, and all that. It's community
0: though. At the end of the day, it's community. And that's, you know, to go back even to the friendship piece, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, it can be hard to find good friends in motherhood, but this is the coolest part about the internet. You can connect with people online and find those relationships online and that connection that you're seeking through just other people's content and connecting with them, even through like an Instagram photo. And that's what I think is so amazing about the internet.
1: I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay. So, who would you say right now? Would you jump on their Insta stories first? Like, like for me, so do you follow, um, Amber filler up like barefoot One? No, oh, I, I love don't. her. Okay. So she, and she's one of those people who are like super aspirational, but somehow she keeps it real. I don't know. I don't even, I can't even describe why, but I really enjoy her stuff. There's a few other accounts too. But it's like, why do I go to that? Well, I love how she designs her home. I think she's got really cute fashion sense. She's really, she does the most awesome like braids. I'm all into my long hair and my braids and stuff. Like there's a lot of things that I find inspire me about her. And I, I just find that. So I think we all have that. Like, And sometimes I have to detox who I'm following. Absolutely. So do you know, I just did a I,
0: big detox just because I was spending so much time on social media. That's where those relationships can kind of like take over that. I felt like I needed to kind of like declutter my feet and just be in, you know, following people who the, just the people who I want to connect with.
1: But who's, yeah. your, who's your person right now? Who do who's,
0: you, you know, you really, like business
1: accounts, right?
0: Yeah. I'm like, and that always surprises people. I'm really into like the business, the online marketing surprising. and business stuff. You find it surprising? Ugh no,
1: I don't find it surprising. Oh, it does surprise some because people. So,
0: you, you speak Jamie's a
1: great speaker, by the way, hire <laughs> Jamie to speak. <laughs> she's cool. really
0: good. But you know, I would say, you know what I, who I follow, I follow even like living with Landon. So she mm-hmm. is, she has decor <laughs> taste that I don't have that decor taste, but for some reason I really like her realness.
1: okay. She's aspirational yet real. That's what or I really like. I, I love that. That's the right combo.
0: Yeah, that's what I aspire to be too. I like to inspire people, but I also let, you know, my, I've said this before is, you know, my biggest pet peeve is, you know, I'm perceived as a step parenting expert and a parenting expert and all of these things. And, you know, and I think that's great. And I do have a lot to offer in that respect, but I also never want people to think that I have it all together all the time. And I don't think that anyone does and anyone who pretends like they do online, I think it's bullshit actually. And I think it's kind of the root to a lot of mom's anxiety is this social media aspirational feeds that don't show any of the raw and real behind the scenes.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I try to keep it real. I try to like
1: whenever I show something with interior design there's always something there's wires showing there's a crooked picture <laughs> and I point it out. I'm a very self-deprecating person and I think that shines through and you know what I do is perfect for other people some people but it's not for others and I'm good with that. Like it's just finding your community, finding your tribe. Cool. And loving them hard but being I think I think sticking with your integrity. Absolutely. I do see some personal brands of people grow really big. And sometimes I, I, I watch them grow and I think mm, I, they've lost some of their integrity along. The way. I can think of a few, I wouldn't say who, but the, off the top of my head that just maybe saw something that was working for them and then went hard down that road. And it kind of lost me because I don't know. It's just, I, I, but that's what, We're creating real life connection and and
0: community. And that's what it's about, right? And you know what? That's what I'm going to wrap up the podcast on that note. And that like, we were both, you just said it. You were like, you know what? I'm not for everyone. This is what I do. This is what works for me. This is what works for my job. This is what works for my family. If you like me, cool. That's awesome. I probably like you too. If not, unfollow, head to the next page, go find a new friend. Like Everyone doesn't have to love everyone. And there's a community out there for everyone. And I think, I think
1: the other thing is to just unfollow in life and online who is maybe making you feel not so good. And it might be surprising who you might. The last thing I'm going to say is that I recently unfollowed a bunch of, you know, how this whole body positive thing's going on right now. Yeah. Everyone's posting pictures in their underwear. Yeah. So I love our friend Birds Papaya. She's awesome. Love her. But there's been some other accounts I started following, which actually was doing harm to my life that were the body positive ones. And I realized that it was actually toxic for me, but maybe not toxic for everybody. Absolutely. Really go through it again and think about what that's doing to you, even if it works for somebody else. So you've got to tailor it to.
0: Yeah. And like you said, that's social media. That's your relationship. That's your friendships. That's the way you're parenting, your interactions with your kids. Like pay close attention to how you feel and don't be afraid to declutter your life. Yeah, exactly. We just ended that really inspiring, eh? Look at us brought it home. Awesome. Well, thank (laughs) you so much, Joanna. Where can everyone find you? At
1: nesting story everywhere. So YouTube nesting for my blog, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, all the places,
0: all the things. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.